tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! <laughs> Hello fellow Fargo Files, welcome to the season finale of the ABTV Fargo Season 2 After Show. Make sure that you follow the network all over social media at AfterBuzz TV. I am Lex Michael, I'm also all over social media, all of the talky stuff where people say things to each other electronically at the Lex Michael. And starting on the far side of the table, I am here with... Dave Child, I'm at at Mr. Dave Child, you can find me at DaveChild.com and all over the internet there. And joining us for the first time mm. is... James A. Janice, you can find me at James A. Janice on anything and Practical Folks on YouTube. Cool, so... Obviously, the focus of tonight's after show is going to be the season finale, episode 10, Palindrome, and we are going to run that down like it's a Gerhardt distracted by aliens, but before we do that, James, yeah, as it is your first time joining us, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your thoughts on this season overall. This is, of course, a, a culmination of everything that we've been watching for the past several months, mm -hmm. so everything that's happened tonight. How does it reflect your feelings about the season overall? What are your feelings on the season overall, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth? Um, pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. okay good. Right. And uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Me. Um, no, actually, well, I uh, got a question. Just because we've been we've been talking at one another like forever, and uh, just hearing each other's opinions. So I'm curious about like where did you, how did you react to the aliens of last episode? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was well earned. In a show that's always been a, a touch absurd. I mean, season one you had uh, the fish uh, falling out of the sky. Right. You know, right. if you if you can do that in a show and it doesn't like pull me out of it, I think aliens is like the next logical step. Sure. Right. Yeah. You move from fish to aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quickly. But uh, I feel like there should be an in between there somewhere. There the, be a like, stepping stone from fish to flying saucer. Yeah, rivers of blood. Something. Like <laughs> something. That. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there should be something in between. <laughs> But now we have, uh, in this episode was amazing because it was, it was the kind of calm down. It's the, it's something big and absurd happened. And we always talk about how, we've been talking about like how the movie and the show is all about how something crazy happens. Something yep. crazy happens and then at the end of the day you still go back to your family and you still like, you still, you know, lay down in bed with them and with your entire family yeah. and then everybody and you know everybody. come on kids and it's just a whole nother day where you just do your job again yeah so, season one ended the same way right was, as uh, did the movie getting back to work yeah yeah and I think that's where we talked about uh, the name of every episode in every episode of our little after buzz thing but uh, this time it was not like named after a absurdist piece that I could find or or surreal thing it's just palindrome if people don't know, it's the same thing forward as it is back. Yes. And it drives me crazy that the word palindrome is not itself a palindrome. Yeah. I feel like that's just lazy, 
Someone yeah. should have like it's whoever invented that. Anyways, existentially frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I think it was named that because it's all about how where it begins is where it kind of ends. Sure. Where it's about you, just normal people having a normal day of work. Something crazy happens, but they go back to the normality of it at yep. the end. But at the same time, things have changed. Of lots, course, yeah. Lots have changed. This this episode was. In itself, interesting, crazy, and it really, like, showcased every single character that was still alive really well. And everybody gets a resolution, mm-hmm. even if that resolution is not necessarily a happy one. I don't think anybody that we're left with necessarily has a a bad ending. I mean, nobody else, I mean, with the exception of poor Ed, we don't really see any named characters die at this point. Uh, the other Gerhardt from Buffalo. The other go- oh well yeah him but yeah I got my he was that guy yeah I liked him a lot I thought of him as this season's Key and Peele came in late sure. provided a lot of uh, right. fodder died horribly right. died horribly yeah. sure um, snazzy dresser though yes yeah. Yeah. that was the guy if I'm not mistaken that's the guy that a few episodes ago I said reminded me of the character whose name I don't remember from that 70s show right. the oh. one who isn't Ashton Kutcher or Wilmer Valderrama or Topher Grace Hyde right Hyde that's the one Hyde. yeah that's Hyde. him yeah it's good old he's, Hyde. he's Fargo's Hyde right yeah. Right, and I don't think he's even Gerhardt. He's like a hired gun. It was oh, maybe uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's a bit different from them. But we do get, we also do get some closure on, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, the the Gerhardt that was shot. Simone. 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 We finally we finally see a Death body confirmed. in the in this right. very haunting opening montage of all of the Gerhards that we've lost yeah. over the course of the season. Yeah, Otto, who I thought Otto died on the porch, and I was a bit surprised he died <laughs> dead at the table. Room. Yeah, And I was like, oh, he made it inside. Good for you, Otto. I don't think he was making it anywhere. I no. mean, yeah, bullets were going was, into the house. He was rolled inside, maybe. <laughs> he was shot inside the house and then onto the dining room table. But anyways, um, yeah, we see the Gerhards are really wiped out. There's yep. only one Gerhardt that we didn't get to see in this episode who's off in a prison somewhere in the jail. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, yeah, he's the one remaining Gerhardt, and I can oh, yeah. assume that after this, he's probably like given up the family business. Maybe he's well. You could tell in the brief glimpses that we got of his forays into criminal activity. It's not his forte. Right. He's not wired like his dad or his uncle. So I would think, especially in a world where he comes out of jail and he's got no family to go back to, I don't think there's any risk of him trying to start up another Gerhardt crime syndicate. Right. Right. So that, that kind of put a closure on the Gerhards, but we do have the Blomquist who yes. we followed. So maybe they're the first people we should talk about. Okay. Um, now we've throughout the episodes we were talking about how we thought they were foreshadowing an ending that um, mirrored what Peggy kept seeing on the TV. Yes. That they were trapped in a location. There's a bad guy at the door. There's a good guy that shows up right at the last minute and saves them. And then maybe in the end doesn't quite save them. And the idea, one of the things we keep talking about is is uh, the idea of a hero that's supposed to come in and save the day and never quite does. And we think Ronald Reagan sim- symbolized that. Yeah. And, um, and the aliens They're are the antithesis to that in a way. Yeah. So I was right with Peggy where I thought... Everything that was going to happen when she gets when they they run into the supermarket they're trapped inside the meat locker which of is course. a great palindrome for Ed. for Ed 
He's where it begins and ends in the same yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, and surrounded by meat. That's that's <laughs> his life as the butcher. And uh, then you know he starts to get smoked out, and Hansi starts to look. Just like Bob, Bob from, from Twin Bob Peaks. Twin, the whole yes. episode had a kind of Twin Peaks. Feel also, to it. Bob, a palindrome. Ooh, uh, ooh. Uh, uh, mm. yeah, maybe the simplest palindrome. Yes, quite possibly. But that was exactly that was the first thought that I had during the and we'll we'll jump around a little bit. But during the uh, Betsy's raising Arizona dream, yeah. right. where they do almost the exact same thing. Of course, it was intentional. I mean, this episode, I think maybe more than any other, I noticed more specific nods to Coen Brothers movies. Mm-hmm. That being the first and one of the more obvious. But in that dream sequence where she talks about seeing a potential fracture in this piece, and you see Hanzi in the flames, um, it's Bob. Hey, right. uh, I have a question for you guys. After that dream sequence, uh, I had the troubling concern that maybe uh, Lou wasn't necessarily safe, and that maybe season one could have been like a splintered time zone uh, timeline. And I, I really started to get nervous. It really like put me on edge that she was like, "I saw this future, and then I sure. saw maybe it didn't happen." Right. And like any other show, I would be like, "Well, whatever." But this one, I was like, "Wait a minute, what if?" Though, like, what if season one was a different timeline? You know, to be honest, if you had told me at the end of this episode, like, if Noah Hawley and all of his post-mortem interviews went, yeah, you know what? As it turns out, the entirety of season one was a dying fever dream that Betsy oh, had. That would, yeah. <laughs> that would that would hurt so profoundly, so deeply. But I'd go, well, aliens. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, by the way, my mic was unplugged, so this is this is me in the room now. Oh. So hopefully I wasn't totally quiet. <laughs> oh, I heard you. Okay, I think I just sounded like I was like, hey! <laughs> I'm over here! Um, but now I'm back. Um, but uh, I, think, I think it's important that Fargo has this foot solid in reality. There's like a moment that it's, and I think that's what Peggy was going through during that moment when when she was being smoked out and she thought she was like in essentially just in that Reagan movie. Well, she was pulling her last foot out of reality <clears throat> yeah. at that point. Yeah, but it's and the reason why it was it was a surprise that it wasn't happening is because it felt like they were foreshadowing it yes. the entire time. Yeah. So when she started just saying everything we've been thinking which is like and talking about where she's like this is just like in the movie this is just like in the movie I saw this is just gonna happen I was like this is an interesting turn because now she's like with the audience on this one she's mm-hmm. she's following the action and she's kind of it's like in the previous episode with um, with the uh, voiceover where they were talking about Hansi, like Hansi's backstory, yeah, his motivation and for his going motivation, after Ed, and which was so yeah. odd. And I was like, "This is such like a well-written show. Mm-hmm. Why are they just saying things out loud?" But in this case, it was perfect because it was totally false, and it kind of showed it showed the adjustment from crazy aliens. Everything's happening. Back to reality, right? Oops, there's go- there goes gravity, and maybe that's why they chose to uh, uh, do that in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you know, spell out the subtext so that when they seemingly did it in this episode, it was like a bigger right. rug being pulled out from under us. As no, that's not reality at all. That's right. just what we were expecting. And also, I think in the last season, I think from what I remember of it. Uh, is it does end in kind of a big everyone dies everyone like is a big climax just mm-hmm. right in the last episode 
where you see them go back to normal just kind of right at the tail end of it. But there's still the whole episode is still kind of a climactic. Everyone is like it still feels like it's part of this epic fiction. Yeah, because sure. that's it has Malvo being killed, uh, mm-hmm. Keen Peel. Forgive me for not remembering their character names, but right. uh, they, okay. they get killed. Lester in that goes through the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I also we we got that in the previous episode. Like I was thinking about it after watching the finale. It was, and we we mentioned already in this conversation, very much a denouement to the rest of the series and what had just happened prior. I feel like it has to be because how much bigger can you go than the massacre in Sioux Falls and the aliens without literally blowing up the planet. Yeah, and, and right. you know, uh, I think the best representation of that is the way that Ed dies. Like, it was just well, a and very yeah. long, slow, anticlimactic and it's death. very quiet yeah. and very, too, we're talking about so how sad. we're talking about how it's very much back to harsh reality that maybe you're not prepared to face and how Ed is essentially, as he's dying, telling Peggy, even if we both make it, I don't think this is going to work. Right. <laughs> it's also Peggy someone who wants to be the hero of her own story. And she's always looking on the positive side of things. And in last episode was her chance of being... She was the hero. She was like... She knocked out the guy and and ran away and didn't care. It was the... You know, it's just this uh, flying saucer, Ed. Just keep going. <laughs> yep. And And this time... So she's not expecting... After all of that, she expected the flying saucer. She expected it to be crazy. She doesn't expect this quiet, sad ending where her, the dying words of her husband is, I think we should get a divorce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is so brutal. Yeah. And, and the fact that Ed... But it's a perfect closure to their story because it's finally Ed just coming to reality himself and just realizing that they're too different that they're just on two separate paths they're in two split screens they're just not yep. they're not in the same world so it's it, it was a perfect ending for him uh, in that qu- kind of quiet and his ability to also give up everything for his family which is a big theme throughout the show yeah, a big thing that comes back, and and that was absolutely, especially in season two, that sacrificing all for your family. And Lou uh, speaks that to makes that subtext text and ties it back into the myth of Sisyphus when he talks yeah. about how it's for men that's the boulder we're, we're pushing up the hill. I, that was my most that's my favorite scene of the of the season because yeah. it's, him telling the story. Yeah, him telling that story, which was actually based off a true story that yes, actually did. I thought happen. I had heard about yeah. something like that. Um, but it's it was also because he talked about the masculinity and the masculinity of like of the people of the Midwest and of Fargo and something that uh, we've talked about on the show being kind of a running theme throughout Fargo Mm -hmm. is someone who like you know you see Lester you see William H uh, Macy Macy I almost said Gracie and I was like nope that's the wrong (laughs) Mm, that's a a far more troubled person of the Midwest (laughs) Uh, just a little bit actually just a little bit but he's uh, but they're people that have they can't be alphas or they have a problem becoming the alpha male and so Mm -hmm. they they fall apart in response to it and it's only people like Lou who are able to maintain it and uh, manage it well and he in that scene he openly talks about that and about how the about how that struggle isn't something of pushing that boulder up the hill and letting it fall down again isn't something to despair about it's that struggle is what 
is uh, their burden, but also their privilege. Yes, absolutely. Because they get to do it. Their male privilege. Yeah, male <laughs> privilege. Oh. Which yeah, is actually, no, I think that's actually true. Yeah, it, because, uh, you know, obviously Peggy is has a lot of problems. And right. uh, when, when Lou tells her people died, he's not wrong. But she also isn't wrong in, like, her complaints about yeah. her life in that time era. And yeah, I, I thought it true. was interesting that Lou, this, like, uh, you know... He's just a moral guy, unadulterated morality in this show. Yeah, just like dismisses her concerns, and I don't think that that we should well, think of him as a misogynist or anything. But because uh, I, I, I don't think he is because of no. the way he treats his wife and how he lets his wife do most of the police work. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, acknowledges it too. Yeah, and I think I think that scene. I noticed that because yeah. she had points that were very strong and were very much of the. Of the feminist ideals that were coming out of the time period. Yep. And then it seemed like Lou shot her down, but I think, I think it's because at that moment, she's not, she's trying to make herself the hero again. Mm -hmm. She's trying to make herself the hero of the story and trying to use all this stuff that is true. And she has heard while she keeps trying to go to conventions and stuff and to flower power uh flower hotel rooms with sure. two facing flowers on them uh <laughs> but uh you know so she says this stuff that's true but then is shot down because just because they're true doesn't mean they're true for her and it doesn't justify it doesn't justify yeah, she needs the reality the check mistakes. that peggy people are dead yeah yeah because she'd absolutely love she's she's in the back talking about like maybe i can do my time in california california maybe i'll see a pelican yeah right <laughs> That's, That's all she wants in this world. Yeah, she just wants a pelican. <laughs> she just wants to look out. I still thought, uh, I, I predicted last episode that she was, we were going to see her running a support group in prison, like <laughs> oh, doing everyone holding hands and being yeah. like, let's talk about her feelings. And <laughs> if there was one more episode, yeah, that, that would be it. That would sure. be it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then, so I guess we should talk about Lou and Lou's family. Yeah. And what happens, especially with you? You mentioned the fever dream last time, the Betsy's fever dream. Yes, yeah, which is which? What, what specifically? Well, it's straight out of Raising uh, the, Arizona. Yes, and of course, dude, we saw, and we can talk. Obviously, there are a number of ways in which this episode tied directly into season one, and we can talk a little bit about how we felt about how uh, effective all of those decisions were. Right. I don't know about either one of you, but when I saw. Uh, Allison Tolman and uh, uh, man uh, Keith Carradine and Colin Hanks again yeah. I got I felt the emotion of yeah. it I actually it got a little misty for a couple of seconds yeah it felt like a good tie in and it felt like a good reminder of what the future holds for this person who we've only seen as a kid mm -hmm. this whole season and just to be reminded of the woman that she becomes yep and great woman yeah and, and also I think in large part due to Betsy. So it's it was, and then you also see, you see the burning Bob Hansi, mm -hmm. and I think that's, I think that was foreshadowing to to kind of show what Hansi becomes after after this season. So do we want to talk about that now? Right. I mean, I, we could talk about that now, and I also want to talk about Hank's big moment too. Yes, which is a wonderful resolution. Yeah. Let's let's hit Hank really fast, Hank's and then office? we can. Are we talking about Hank's that, office? That this, this wonderful. And by the way, I'm really happy that Hank survived being right. shot in yeah, the previous I episode. I thought he was going to go. Oh, I, I had faith. Yeah, I had faith I, th I, I was I said this last episode, but I feel like it was going to be Hank holding the hand of Betsy. <laughs> 
And in a dying moment, Betsy's going to go, what's with the, what's with the symbols? What's with... And then he's going to be like, aliens! Yeah. And then die. Yeah, we all and thought it was, it was about aliens, Yeah, right? we all did. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's important. And I think they purposely did that. I think they... They uh, they showed the you know there's almost like a spacecraft in a lot of them. It feels like it's um, all part of it. But I think, and I think the real reason behind it, his uh, feeling that there should be a new form of communication that we can't all communicate properly is perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. It fits. You see why, especially it, he talks about how he fell into that after he lost his wife. Started. He had all this extra time to ruminate on these armed conflicts that were occurring all over the world. And it's all about, yeah, maybe if we yeah. could communicate better, we wouldn't be doing this. And it's literally just him wanting to make the world a better place through more effective communication. And it just shows yeah. so clearly what a good dude Hank is. Yeah. It also is another side of... It's, it's another side of... Uh, the masculinity that we've been talking about too, I think, because it's it's while it's a burden to you know um, to kind of feel like you're the person to keep protector, to keep things going, to keep the family going. There's another side of it too where you can't openly talk about your feelings, you can't openly communicate without feeling like you have to be polite, which is right. something that's in the Fargo verse from the very beginning. All over the place yeah. is just like uh, b- before anything. It's always it's never. Good versus evil. It's evil versus being politeness. Just decency. Yeah. decency. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And as far as the masculinity thing goes, I think uh, you know a tenet of masculinity is problem solving. And right. So that's how he deals with the grief of losing his wife. Is okay. How do I solve the biggest problem? Right. Which is all the problems. Yeah. And he sets to it. And and also he wants to figure out a way to communicate, to just talk to people, just just talk your feelings. His examples for how to talk or is you know what and how pictures are better than words is uh you know what a house is you know that a square with a little top on on it is a home and you know that a heart is love yep he's just the, his whole reason for this is just to communicate how much he loves his family mm-hmm. and it's it's written so perfectly that scene because right before he talks about what the symbols mean he openly says I'm just so happy you'll know like when the angels come because they'll have the faces of your children yep. and he breaks and it's a perfect Ted Danson moment that's yeah. I think his best scene of the season because you see him saying something he feels is important to say but also right away regretting it because mm-hmm. he has that like that male oh I can't talk about oh, I can't talk about how much I love my family of course you know I just it's just like, and then talking about how, like, the symbols means he wants to communicate more openly. It's just, it's perfect well, I, I I agree with you, and I love that scene for so many reasons, not the least of which being, especially after last episode, we saw Betsy have her fall. And, of course, we get the reveal in this episode that the pills she, were ta- she was taking weren't placebos, yeah. but they were, in fact, killing her. Yeah. yeah. We got our reminder, our very clear reminder, that both Betsy and Hank, in the years between season one and season two, both go. We know that that's coming. We are. We have been painted a very clear portrait of just how mortal and finite they are. Right. But I'm so pleased that after everything that has happened to everybody this season, they got that scene at the end where they could be together and be a yeah. family and have that experience, that closeness, that together, that love, that warmth. Because 
to lose either or both of them yeah. before the season was over. Right. And, and I think, I think uh, especially with modern TV, a lot of people feel that, you know, closure for a character means death. Sure. And, uh, you know, a, a cancer sentence right off the bat in the beginning of a season and getting shot in the penultimate episode in the case of Ted Danson. It, it's easy to think like, oh, okay, so we're going to get closure on these characters. They're going to die. But I think we got closure for them yeah. in this story. Like, that's what I love about Fargo is that it's so good at telling a complete story and wrapping it up and, you know. Right. It, oh, and it's, and so it's also not about – it's about subverting those expectations. But in not uh, – in not a pretentious way. Mm-hmm. They're it, not doing it just to, to yeah, subvert it. Yeah, they don't subvert it by going like, oh, you thought we were going right, but we're going left. Like, Simone's alive. Yeah, but instead they're going <laughs> like, we're subverting it by just not, you know we're going to go right. So we're just going <laughs> to stay at the fork, and you can just see the right ahead of you. So why even tell you about the right? Yeah. You know, so why even like... So And I think it's in Fargo it's important that big things happen off screen. And mm-hmm. I think that happens a ton of times. And like last season, last episode, we even heard like her fall down off screen, mm-hmm. and then, but that was powerful enough. And this is just a bigger version of that. So I wanted to then to to some of the points you just made before we get back to Hansi. Then let's right. talk a little bit about Mike Milligan oh, and his his resolution because he opens this episode. Talking very, he sees himself as a He's conquering a crusader. He is the king. Yeah. He talks about his act of kindness, his act of cruelty. He goes back to Ham. We get to spend a little time with Hamish. Finally, the great yeah. Adam Arkin, who directed this episode mm-hmm. and, and last episode, and the last episode as well. And for all intents and purposes, Mike Milligan won. He was able to spin yeah. this entire situation to his advantage. He was able to get out without being executed. He mm-hmm. gets the credit, essentially, uh, apparently, for helping eliminate the Gerhards. Right, and gets promoted. And what that means is not at all what he was hoping for. Right. I, I for one, was really happy. I, I, we said in the last episode that I hoped in this episode we would get a strong Mike moment. Because yeah. Because the last one had great setups. That could have been then, it for Mike, too. Yeah. The last episode was just him leaving. It's like, okay. Yeah, but I felt like we needed one big yeah. Mike moment. And we had plenty of And that's what time. we got. He yeah. got to be like, declare himself king. And I, I kind of felt like... This wasn't going to end right for him because he kept saying, like, I'm the king. I've done this. I've ruled it. I kept going, slowly roll, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he does it in such a, like, a typically Mike, like, whimsical fashion. Like, no right. schnitzel, like, schnitzel, like, just American food. And by yeah. the way, we've, we've been joking all season about the aliens in one respect or another. And when we watched the penultimate episode, Dave and I had been joking all season about, wouldn't it be incredible if the massacre at Sioux Falls was capped off by the arrival of the aliens? Yeah. So, of course, when that happened, <laughs> my brain exploded. Right. I think, Dave, maybe yours did as well. Yeah. We had also been joking all season, wouldn't it be phenomenal if Mike Milligan turned out to be from space? And, the kids and, like, and when he enters, like, like, people of Earth, I'm, I'm, I'm home. Oh. And I went, is this it? Is this? But no, no, in, in keeping with this episode's return to uh, reality, mm-hmm. unfortunately it didn't pan out that way, but I got very excited when he entered right. that way. Well, I mean, he's he's been representative of an outsider, of an alien kind of the entire yeah. time, not only being like the only black guy in the Midwest, apparently, sure. but... Um, so the only black guy in that specific mob that yeah. he's in and mafia. I mean, Adam Arkin's character uh, really like, like demeaned him. him. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been him and Hanzi really against all these mm-hmm. the, the white people that have been kind of controlling them this entire time. So I kind of like I I expected uh, Mike to be 
in the same place. I, I kind of figured that Mike was either going to be dead or king mm-hmm. himself. And I thought the same with Hanzi. He was going to be dead or a king by the end of this. And when Mike becomes... So, when he goes into that office building and is basically introduced to the 80s... Yeah, which yes. exactly. What it was kind of like... A perfect analogy for just no. This is what crime is now. Yeah, it's corporate. It's yeah, not it's, individual, which yeah. has also been a running theme throughout the entire season. Right. The the Kansas City mafia encroaching on the Gerhardt Syndicate was a metaphor for big business creeping in on family owned enterprises. Yeah. yeah, and that's why Reagan is a character. Perfectly fits. Yeah, but he yeah. but Hamish literally says, "Mike, you got to get a haircut. The seventies are over." Yeah, yeah and you gotta, that bolo tie. You also have to like stop. Dressing like you're from the West because not the West anymore. The Wild West is over. Yeah, you there can't no just frontiers, yeah, yeah be the guy with the gun, come and declare yourself sheriff. Mm-hmm. You're, it's over, and this is this is your office, and this is it. So he's entering the corporate lifestyle, which was such a melancholy, sad moment for Mike because yep. like, well, he did it, but it's <laughs> not. And it was great. It was a great subversion too because it wasn't. Usually we're so used to being like you've you've succeeded but your entire family's dead mm-hmm. or you've succeeded but you're dead <laughs> or you've succeeded <laughs> or you had to kill the person you love that sort of thing but now it's like you succeeded but your happiness is dead. Yeah, yes. it just means you're now just a cog in in a machine. Yeah, yeah. it's really a pyrrhic victory and it, you know if he was if he wasn't so like uh, again, whimsical about right. like his violence and his uh, malicious, malicious acts. Yeah. I would feel bad for him, but like here, it's just it's it's a little sad. But I'm like, well, kind of had it coming, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially since he was just so like, I did uh, all of this. I did all <laughs> like M- you did a lot. Yeah, but a lot of it, you just the last, you know final you know climax of everything you just stumbled upon. Yeah, that was a hot. You got lucky. Yeah. yeah. Well, and where does Gail Kitchen go now? The mailroom? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> is that where he goes? Is he like, is he Mike's uh, like PA or his intern? <laughs> He's his secretary. He's just like <laughs> answers the phone. <laughs> yeah, that's how he answers. <laughs> just picks it up. That's like, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he'll he'll just be stuck in the kitchen. <laughs> All right. Well, so, so that's the king. Um, so let's talk about. Hanzi. We got to talk about Hanzi. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. uh, real quick before we get to where we leave Hanzi in this in this series up to this point, um, I do want to touch on the moment, and it's very brief, but the moment on the street when he's hunting the Blumquist and, yeah. and Lou takes the shot at him and he dives behind the vehicle, almost identical to uh, No Country for Old Men. A oh, moment yeah. in No Country for Old Men. And, yeah, and similarly, uh, when he shoots the old guy who stopped right. the car to ask for yep. uh, like to help out Ed. Also, uh, Mike Milligan's use of the word "friendo" stuck out to me. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I love the show, but part of it is just like I picture the Coen Brothers are executive producers on it, but mm-hmm. they don't really do that much on the show. They just collect paychecks. Yeah, and they basically, I think they're they see the scripts or they see a version of it. And as long as they, they they don't say no, they mm-hmm. keep making them. But I keep picturing them just like sitting in their Cohen Castle and just Cohen like Castle. watching the show and being like, "Oh, we get it. You like us, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I mean, you're just trying so hard, Noah. I mean, yeah. you can you can come over and just you know, let's get some drinks. Let's just like calm down. That's, if 
feels like just all this fan fiction just keeps coming up. I don't mind it. Mm. I love it. It's fun. But especially the um, Raising Arizona thing, that didn't stick out to me as like an exact Raising Arizona dream sequence until... And the same thing with the No Country for Old Men shooting that happened. I didn't I didn't see it until like afterwards I thought about it. So it fits seamless. Yeah, yeah I think they all in work it. in context and if you hadn't seen those movies you right. would think like, why was that there? It's right. just part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it it was perfect. And then so that that's when we think that Hansi's pursuing into the supermarket. And it turns out he just got out of there. Yeah. 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 And I really love how, you know, it's later revealed that it wasn't real, but like it's ju- it just goes straight up horror movie when right. it's those shots of him in the supermarket, and I really like that. Yeah, it seemed like Bob decision. from Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, it exactly just like, like Bob that. from Twin Peaks. And uh, also, I think it's that's important too because it's in the last episode when we had uh, the voiceover talking about Hansi's motivation and turning him even more into this like epic hero or villain character. And, like, where is he going to go? And why is he pursuing them? Why does he keep pursuing them afterwards? And then we see him realize he shouldn't pursue them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it steps into reality perfectly in that sense in this episode by just saying, like, oh, I can just get out of here. And I, I'm, I'm pretty much free and clear. So let's let's talk about Finally. the final yeah. scene with Hanzi and how uh, we talked very, very briefly before we got on mic about this scene. Because mm-hmm. when I watched it, when I was watching the episode, uh, I noticed, obviously, you know, the, the, it holds on the social security card with Hanzi's new right. identity. And the name didn't immediately also, set can, off any alarm. Can I just say that I, I got a text late at night from Lex just being like, hey, whoa, ending, blew my mind. This tie into season one. I'll let you know. And then I watched it and I was like, I don't see it. <laughs> well, then, I don't see it. And then it took me like 10 minutes and I was like, Oh, so it was continue. well. So it was, just... a, it was a couple of things, and I had to make specific notes because it was the name on the social security card. When of course he has to get his new identity, and the name is Moses Tripoli, mm-hmm. which is as we'll get to a name that we've heard in the Fargo verse before. Is it actually said in in on screen? I like, had to go and look up they, credits. They mention for it. a Tripoli. Yeah, they do. Okay, okay. yeah, they yeah. do. They do. Like he's basically supposed to be. The big boss of the first one. So, yeah. so yeah, there is there is the name. Then Hanzi makes a comment about how he doesn't just want cosmetic surgery to fix the burns on his face. He wants something more base con- reconstructive. He right. wants to be a totally new person. And then it's the lines that mm-hmm. he says to this this guy, and he says his words. And I had to make this note specifically. Uh, his exact words are not apprehend, dead. Don't care, heavily guarded. Don't care into the sea. Kill and be killed. Head in a bag. There's the message. the message. And then we've heard almost those exact lines before in season one from right. this Tripoli character. Not apprehend, dead. Don't care extramarital, don't care not related in relation to Sam Hess's murder. Kill and be killed, head in the bag, there's the message. So we come to find out right. that Hanzi takes on this new identity and becomes, in season one, the leader of the Fargo syndicate. And, and so, did anyone else think that guy was Bear? earlier on in the season because like he kind of looks like Bear he's eating in the scene that we see him in season yeah, one yeah maybe I mean you wouldn't expect Hanzi to become <laughs> a fat white guy yeah. who gets dyed drinking soup he you must know? have like, a fantastic plastic surgery guy by the way oh yeah. my god oh, the, the thing is it's kind of brutal because in a way it mirrors Mike's um, evolution as well mm-hmm. because you want 
you really want Hanzi to become Malvo. You know, you wanted, like... I kind of... When he started talking about changing his name and, and changing his face, I'm like, oh, my God, is he Billy Bob Thornton this entire time? And then when I realized that wasn't the case... Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I think he was the guy... In, I think I remember the name. And then the the deaf kids... The deaf kid who they're watching play ball. The very last time you see Hanzi, he's marching onto that field to save these two kids With from these knife. bullies. Yeah. So I like, I was like, okay, so wait, that's Adam Goldberg, and that's uh, it's Mr. Wrench and Mr. Numbers. Yeah, yeah. that's a, like that's awesome. That's great. So who's Tripoli? I'm gonna look it up. Oh, he's that guy. And now we know because that connection has been made. We now know, for better or worse. How Hanzi's story ultimately ends. He's killed. Sad. He's killed by Lorne Malvo. Yeah. yeah, you don't want him to become like a soup drinking fat white guy. <laughs> you don't want that. Like a you soup want... drinking fat Indian guy is one thing. But yeah, like... but he's like you wanted him to be. You wanted like I was like, oh man, who would win in a fight between Malvo and Hanzi? <laughs> you want you're wondering that, and now we find out no. Well. By the time Malvo becomes a thing, yeah. Hanzi's pretty much, you know, up for the count. He's the king of his own castle. But they also, they talk about how, like, even if a new empire started, it has to fall eventually. And yep. we see it fall in the season one. Yep, we we absolutely, we see the exact empirical evidence that that is yeah. what happens. Um, so, is there anything else we want to hit? Obviously, we're going to touch on our final thoughts about not just the finale, but the season as a whole. Before we do that, there is a little bit of news, but before we jump into that, any specific plot threads that we need to hit that we haven't covered that you guys can think I, I of? I think we mostly... Oh, this is the one loose thread that I wish they didn't talk about. Uh, I've brought it up before. I think it's a shame. We do not know why Lou becomes obsessed with ducks. We do not True. know this. True. There is no hint of a duck obsession in season two, but his diner in season one is covered in mallards. Sure. I want to know why. You know what? Maybe he caught a glimpse of the aliens. Maybe they look like ducks. Maybe, maybe they look like ducks. Yeah. yeah. That's a new one. Yeah. That's a new theory. They're all like shape-shifting duck creatures. Yeah. Like yeah. the duck is their basic form. Right. Yeah. So I also th- love how they don't become obsessed with aliens after this. <laughs> like, just wouldn't, ducks. wouldn't you be like? And they even have that moment where it's like, "How are you gonna explain this other thing?" I'm just gonna leave out the aliens. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, probably uh, yeah. Cool. And they move on from that pretty quickly. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah, they're like, "God, yeah. aliens." But what about these like weird symbols you did and like not making the connection? Like, were those right. aliens? Because I was more worried about, like, are you ups- are you going crazy? Are you obsessed with something? No, I'm just creating a new language that will never I, work. I'm just oh, a okay. wonderful, aspirational human. Right. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, before we get into our final thoughts about the season as a whole, we do, as mentioned, have a little bit of news. After Buzz TV News. So, we knew that Fargo had been renewed for a third season. We knew absolutely nothing about it. We still know very little about it, but according to Noah Hawley in some of these post-mortem interviews, it is apparently going to be set, he says he believes, in 2010. Yeah. Which is a couple years after season one but ends. there's going to be no characters from season one who will make a reappearance. Oh. Because yes. he talks about how... It's important in the Fargoverse that you just see them have one crazy instant that happens to them in their life, 
and then they go back to regular life. Sure. Because if it keeps happening to these people, it becomes too insane. Yeah. Yes. So it's that's like, yeah. it's like the Die Hard series. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. He he says they're always looking for ways to connect the events and the world to make it obviously all the same universe. But yes, exactly. There are not going to be certainly major characters from season one right. that reappear. The other bit uh, of this news and this. This saddens me a little bit. Our hiatus from Fargo is going to be slightly longer than expected. God, as it's going to be so long. Season three will not air until 2017. Oh, 2017. No. Spring 2017. Yes. An entire year without Fargo. I yeah. don't know what... What I'll do. I don't. What? I mean, I'm. I'm. Can't wait to see what amazing cast it's going to be. Yeah. Because the cast have just been getting better and better and better. Are we going to have Tom Hanks in the next one? Yeah, like, he's the Ted Danson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the, he's the Ted Danson who was the Keith Carradine. Right. And season yeah. three should I be Tom Hanks. I kind of wish it was a way ahead in the future so I could just be grown up Colin Hanks. I feel like we've talked Tom about Hanks. this a little bit. Like, yeah, wouldn't right. it be amazing if it was Space Station Fargo? Right, right, yeah. right. That would be perfect. So that that is the news. So since we're talking a little bit about, you said, oh, you know. Also, oh. that he has said in the post, uh, in the interviews, that it'll be centered around a selfie oriented culture. Yes, where really? we're constantly yeah. taking pictures of ourselves and each other and just about everything is documented and how that fascinates him. Right, okay. and it'll be like the uh, like linked into the internet and I think how people overshare. So I think that's what it's going to be about. Sure. Which makes sense in the world, if you think about it, because it could be just as Peggy has like an attachment uh, from what's actually happening, mm-hmm. there could be a character who has who's not able to realize all the stuff that they're posting online could actually be creating something new. So I can't wait to see what he makes. Whatever it is, I think, like, season one was amazing. Season right. two created, like, the pattern. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so to that effect, before we wrap for the season, guys, final thoughts overall on season two of FX's Fargo. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, Hanzi was a surprising breakout character. You think he's just going to be a sidekick in the beginning, and then he turns out to be basically the lead yeah, essentially, uh, I yeah. think it was the best thing on TV this year. Uh, it continued to shock and amaze me and surprise me. I love the the chances they took with the styles, uh, the split screen, everything. It's great. I love it. I would I agree. I would agree with you guys completely. One of the best things I've seen on television this year. I think it's in the conversation for one of the best things I've seen on TV yeah. any year. Thanks for joining us to talk about it, everyone. This yeah. has been a really, really fun season, and that is going to do it for us. Season 2, ABTV Fargo After Show, where Mr. Dave Child can people find you on the internet? At Mr. Dave Child on Twitter and DaveChild.com online. James, where can people find you? At James A. Janice on everything and practical folks on YouTube. And I am all over the netty webby talky stuff at the Lex Michael. That is going to do it for us. Thank you guys for joining us. We hope to see you here in 2017 for Fargo Season 3. Thank you for joining us. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.